0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Iron Works Podcast. I'm Pastor Tyler, and I'm Zach,
1: and today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to take a quick break in between seasons or or series or whatever we call the the normal flow of what we're doing, and we're going to discuss um, Pastor Tyler's new brand new book that is out called Difference Makers, uh, which is a twenty one day devotional. And so I am probably gonna lead a lot of this conversation, Tyler, and just ask you a bunch of questions um, and we'll just have some fun with this. I have read the book, really, really enjoyed it. I'm not just saying that because you're my pastor and also my friend, but because it's true. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so I just, I wanted to kind of go through it and explain some things. I wanted to hear kind of your take on what, what got you excited about writing this and from from you know what perspective as you're going through, like the life of Elijah and trying to apply that to us. And then I'd also like to just talk a little bit more broadly about our vision for how we want to be using resources and books and things like that um, here at Calvary Chapel through uh, Ironworks as a ministry. Sounds good. Awesome. So it says called Difference Makers, a 21-day devotional. And basically, I, I'm right in saying, essentially, this is you just going through the life of Elijah.
0: Most of it. Okay. And, and. Yeah, most of Elijah's life. I, I skip a, a chunk of, of pretty good stories about towards the end, and then I kind of skip to the end of his life, but. Most of it,
1: yeah. Okay, and this is organized as a, like I said, like as a 21-day devotional. Each of the chapters are really short. They're maybe, you know, three, four, five pages apiece. Really easy for you to go through. You know, you do your Bible reading, you spend some time in prayer, and you've got like a nice short devotional that you can read, uh, which I think is a great way to do it. I actually just tore through the whole thing in a couple sittings, um, which (laughs) really was also kind of cool because I could see the flow of where you were going with things and everything. Um, So let me just ask you, first of all, like what you – were you felt like, okay, I want to do a devotional. Why did you specifically choose kind of the topic difference makers? And then what what
0: made you think of Elijah kind of coming from that? Elijah came first. Oh, okay. uh, I knew I wanted to do Elijah because we had, um actually we had been at our prayer meetings on Sunday nights. We mm-hmm. had, uh, typically we'll, we'll do a short piece of the word and, and we have a pretty variable format there. But uh, there have been several little, nuggets that had come out of the life of Elijah. And I remember in particular, there was one, like three weeks where we were on the same passage. Mm-hmm. we just we're digging into it and there was just more to come out of it. That wasn't planned. And so then I, I just started making my way through the story of Elijah that way and I didn't do as much as is in the book, but uh, it was it wasn't even planned. It was I, I don't want to say improvised. It was to use Spurgeon's word. It was extemporaneous. It was just encouragement. And I pick like one point to focus on, like, you know, the Elijah's praying for the the cloud like a man's hand and I'd be mm-hmm. like well if you haven't seen anything yet let's still have faith and, right and we just pray off of that and it was very edifying and very encouraging and I realized after I did that for a while I'm like you know you could really make a great devotional book out of the life of Elijah it's so interesting I wanted to put together something that was a devotional book because I personally don't use them very much but I know a lot of folks do and I, I thought this would be a great way to do it just these little short snippets kind of like we did at the prayer meetings expand them out a little bit and uh, that, was, that was where it came from and that's where I started. So I, I went back and I wrote down all the ones from the prayer meetings that I had done, combined a few, expanded a few, added some, and uh, the number 21 uh, came up pretty organically and it seemed like a good place to keep it.
1: And so is that where like, so you're kind of going through the life of Elijah and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, the, the theme kind of is coming out here of like difference
0: makers. As you're going through the life of Elijah? Yeah, it came about as I was writing it. Like, mm-hmm. I was not using that title. And then there was one chapter, I forget which chapter it was, but where I used that phrase, Difference Maker. And it kind of stuck, and I ended up using it for a couple more chapters. And I thought, this would be a, a fun theme to run through. And I added it, you know, in more chapters. and went back and kind of kept the thread going. And the original title... Um, Oh, goodness. I think the original title was something like 21 Days of Fire. And the subtitle was a devotional for difference makers. And I realized that I didn't like that as much. And that uh, (laughs) the more the more I wrote it, the more I realized that that theme was the hook Mm -hmm. that I was looking for more often. And and so I ended up just switching it and it, it. that's where that came from.
1: So what do you feel like, so you've spent obviously to, to put this together, you've probably spent a lot of time just kind of in the life of Elijah in scripture, just sitting and thinking and praying about this. What do you feel like is the biggest takeaway that you got from that? Or what would you want people to take away from the book? You know, if it was, if you could pick one or two things.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I hadn't thought about that until you just asked, but the answer comes to my mind pretty quickly here, uh, which is initiative. Is okay. That Elijah was the kind of person who took the initiative to make changes, to make a difference, mm-hmm. right? Is He did not wait for permission. He did not wait until circumstances forced his hand. In fact, if one of the early points in the book that I make, and I originally had it in there much stronger, but this might be the time to really develop it, we don't see Elijah receiving the word of the Lord to go speak to King Ahab. Mm. It just says, Elijah the Tishbite showed up and said to King Ahab this... And I think that's the second chapter of the book after I kind of lay out the context in the first one. But uh, then after he speaks to Ahab, he says, there will be neither dew nor rain over these years except at my word. And then right after that, it says, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, go off into the wilderness at the brook Cherith. I have prepared a place for you. Now, it could entire it's entirely possible that the scripture is just silent at that point that God did tell Elijah to go and speak to the Lord. But when you compare that with what James says in the New Testament, where it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three and a half years, there was no rain on the earth. Um, I think It's three, three years, three and a half, whatever it is. But uh, that James is drawing out the point, not that God had specifically chosen Elijah for this job, but that Elijah was a man just like everybody else. Right. And that specifically prayer for James is that kind of prayer life is possible for anybody. Who's going to follow the Lord?
1: That's James five seventeen. Did you mention that, that I, reference? Yeah, yeah. I did not so make if, the reference. No, but yeah, yeah. Uh, So it's James five seventeen says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain him for three years and six months. It did not rain. Yeah, on the so earth. it was three and a half years. Yeah. Like, so it's so it's bringing out that point. Like hey, I'm saying. just gonna.
0: I just noticed something. I wonder how that relates to the time of the tribulation. Oh, because it is half of three and a half of, years. I don't know. Yeah, that's a little. Maybe it does. We'll leave that door closed. But, uh, <laughs> I just noticed that. Oh, uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think that, and that was the thing that I noticed. You pull out of this a lot is that you're basically. You're helping us, maybe as we're reading, to get over, and I think we talked about this when we were talking about spiritual disciplines, to get over this exaggeration we can have. We talked about it on Sunday as well. This idea that, okay, in order to be spiritual, if I'm going to be spiritual, that I really need to be passive. That's yes. how that's how Christian spirituality is. I don't act. I don't take action. That's rash. That's um, that's prideful or, or whatever we might apply. I might right.
0: step out of God's will. I might so do, I do the, need the wrong thing. I need
1: to sit here. And just wait. And well, there might be some good correction, right? You don't want to always be just, you know, I'm doing whatever and I'll check yeah, with there's God a, later. There's a
0: correlated lesson about being brash and, and
1: stepping ahead of the Lord sure. and testing God. But I'll just say personally for me, a big takeaway from the book that was very helpful was that understanding. It's like we were talking about where you're just getting into the book of Joshua now. And just that understanding of, look, at some point if you see what the Lord would want to do and the Holy Spirit has put it on your heart and you have a biblical rationale for it, then go ahead and do it, and the Lord will redirect you. He'll close and open doors, but He's going to direct you as you're active. He's, you know, it's the old joke about, you know, you if you want to steer a ship, it's got to be moving, right? You can't just swing the rudder yeah. around while it's sitting on the dock. Nothing's going to happen. And I think that was a big, sweet takeaway for me of saying that's right. You know, the Lord is okay with that. He wants us to be taking action and moving forward.
0: Yeah, and and to come back to where I was getting with that is the Bible portrays the story of Elijah. At least portrays the story of Elijah as Elijah just had a day where mm-hmm. he couldn't take it anymore. Right. And he went to a Eli- to Ahab on his own initiative and said, I'm going to pray. And because he was backed by the Deuteronomic promise that if you follow false gods, I'm going to withhold rain. Mm-hmm. But if you repent, then I will return rain. And so it seems that the story portrays it as Elijah taking the first step and saying, I've had it. I- I'm going to pray and I'm going to put God more or less on the spot That God is with me, not because I'm going to make God do what I want, but because God has already expressed his will on this matter. So I'm going to take bold, brave action. And then after that, God appears to him and says, all right, well, if you're going to do this, you better run, buddy. You better get to the brook. So that's so important, man, is is that you've got to take initiative. And I try to apply the book. To not just major big things like this. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't didn't do this as much. I actually had a lot more um, illustration that got cut um, just because it was getting too long. But, uh, you know, we think of something national like that. Like the nation is going off into idolatry. Right. Jezebel is queen and Ahab is, you know, getting henpecked by this woman <laughs> into yeah. doing all these terrible things. And like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, you look at something like, you know, we're recording this during so-called Pride Month, right? And mm-hmm. you look at something like that. How are we going to fix that? And that's that's huge. But this also applies at the very basic everyday level. Right. That my wife and I are, are not communicating well with each other. Well, what are we going to do? Well, I can't just sit back and... You know, a, a very classic thing is a husband is like, Well, she's not treating me right. So I'm just, I don't want to be the mean, beat him up husband. So I'm not going to say anything. And he just sits there and gets miserable over months and months and years and mm-hmm. years. She doesn't respect him. He doesn't respect himself. And now they're it's like, Well, you got to step up and do something. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if it's the Lord's will. It is the Lord's will because right. this, you're, what you're in is not good. Right. This is not a good situation. And many people, as a pastor, I hear this all the time. They come up and they say, How do I handle such and such situation? And I'll give them good advice and they'll say, well, I don't know if that's the Lord's will, though. And I am a firm believer that God reveals his will to people, that you ought to seek God's will. But the Bible is a big book full of what God's will is. Mm -hmm. And the Lord likes it when people step out in faith and try things. Mm -hmm. We're going to do something that is, you know, for example, should I go be a missionary to Africa? Well, you're certainly not going to be in sin by being a missionary to Africa. Is right. God going to get mad at you for traveling to another nation and preaching the gospel for a few years? It might That might not be God's specific will for you, but what what if you're talking about something righteous, why not just have a little gumption and get up and do
1: it? And there's so many cases even in my life, like you said, even in those small things where God's will for me, I have discovered it by walking with the Lord, right? Not sitting with the Lord. Yeah, God right.
0: will direct you as you go. Right,
1: where I say, okay, I'm going to take a crack at this, and God says, okay, I love that, but over here. And he pointed and I say, Oh, okay, well I'll, now I'll take a crack at this. And I go maybe too far in the other direction. God says, right. But, and as you go with the Lord, he's slowly directing you. And sometimes it takes years of that process. And if you had just, if I had just sat there the whole time and said, well, I'm going to wait until I receive God's will for me. The process God wanted to bring through me is similar to what we read with Elijah, where I just kept doing stuff. I let you talk in a little bit more in the middle. I think it's day eight, where it talks about him at Mount Carmel. And again, unless I'm mistaken, because mm-hmm. I remember I taught this passage. A while back here at the church,
0: that's like everybody's favorite story, right? When Elijah calls down fire from heaven, right? right? And
1: and and so, but in that story, again, you don't see God saying, "I want you to have a showdown with the prophets of Baal." And when you go over there, you're going to pray, and I will, if you pray and do this, I'm going to send down fire, right? There, there wasn't even like a biblical promise from the Lord. Elijah basically just shows up, puts their false God on notice, and says, "We're going to have a God fight. My God's actually going to show up." And then he just a
0: God fight, and then he
1: just puts the Lord on. (laughs) you know, almost to the test in a sense where he says, look, dump all the water on the altars. Let's see who shows up. And it, God didn't seem to be upset by that. God, God loves that amount of that faith and that initiative that he showed. So again, it's to your point that like, that's, that is some of the heart we want to have of saying, well, what would using that, I don't know, I think it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit of what would the Lord want to do? And I'm yeah. just going to go out there and 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 ask the Lord to, to bless that. What
0: you know? we have comes from 1 Kings 18:1 when it says, After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. And like you're saying, there's all these that's very often how the Lord leads right. us. He shows us where he wants us to do and where he wants us to go. And he says, Now, now go do it. Go make it happen, Captain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're He said we started the book of Joshua. God told Joshua, go out and take possession of the promised land. And there were some instances where God gave him very specific instructions, like the battle of Jericho. But most of it, it wasn't about here's how you deploy deploy your forces and I want you to stop here for three days and you need to reprovision here. And it it just said, go. (laughs) Go win this war. And so the Israelites, yeah, was it God's sovereignty giving them the land? Yes, but they, as I like to say, they still had to swing the sword. They still had to get out there and do it. And uh, we want to be respectful of God's sovereignty, but not at the expense of, of, uh, you know, stepping out in faith. I I think another—if we want to stay on this topic for a uh, minute—sometimes we see—we've received well the correction that, all right, America is a very entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. get-or-done, pioneer country— and we cannot always transfer those values to the Bible. We have got to let the Bible speak to us. Very true. But what that can result in is people who are more aware of their culture and how they don't want to be like their culture. Mm. So they're afraid uh, to. Uh, they're afraid to step up into the parts of the Bible. The parts of their culture that the Bible affirms. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the other half of, you know, you can have cultural blind spots, for example. America has a blind spot that we're very individualistic. We're very go get kind of people. Sure. But there are a lot of parts of the Bible that teach that kind of attitude, that you've right. got to work hard and go get it and don't wait and get out there in front. And a nation like ours is uniquely positioned to mine those gems out of the Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so we can kind of do the opposite thing. We're like, I don't want to just be, you know, the the American here. I want to make sure I'm a, I'm a believer. That if something that is in the Bible seems too American, you don't want to do it. It's like, how about, the Bible affirms parts of culture just like it corrects them. And so somebody like myself who just, I, I'll eat for breakfast, man, all of the like, you know, uh, like, Zig Ziglar motivational, go out and, you know, sets. And he was a believer and a pastor too, Mm -hmm. so I don't mind talking about him. But even all the other guys just, they're like, here's my life, and here's what you can do, and life is what you make it, and go grab it. I hear that, and I go, yeah! (laughs) But I know good and well that I can drift into that and start to ignore Jesus. But that should not cause the, you know, cause me to say, Therefore, I need to strip away all of those parts of myself. The mm. Lord goes, hey, I see that in you. I've got a lot of good things to say about that for you. So let me redeem that. And then you can take the best pieces of it and keep going. Right. And then somebody else who's maybe less like me, who's much more passive and much more likely to take life as it comes, they maybe need to be corrected. And he's like, hey, I didn't create you just to be, you know, a, a little mushroom <laughs> growing in the <laughs> ground here. Like you got to get up and move, my friend. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I love taking things that are very exciting to us that we want to be cautious about and realize oh that actually is in here in the bible and that part of us is is worthy and needs to be redeemed well
1: the risk that you take i think is sometimes if, if you say no 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 you know you're not supposed to be ambitious or work hard or use your imagination or all those things here I- in church what happens is people find outlets for those things out in the world and they put so much more effort and 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 parts of their life into those things than they would for the lord and that's not good, right? You Of, of no. course, you know, we we want we don't want the most exciting, hardworking, grinding, fulfilling things in our life to not be Jesus. And so I think that's one thing that I found really helpful with the book is that reminder that, look, you know, the Lord wants those parts of you. He wants to, like you said, he wants to redeem those parts of you. And so, yeah, sure, there might be some things you have to balance or be corrected by, but there's also, like you said, there's a lot in the life of Elijah where you see, wow, that was a guy who just... I bet that if circumstances were different and he was here today and hadn't been called to been a prophet, he probably would have been a pretty good leader of a startup. You know, like he just, he had that personality of, of we're just going to go out there and see what happens. Yeah. And the Lord harnessed all that, that I think was in Elijah. And then, and then is you know, saying, okay, now here's what I want you to do, for, you know, for my kingdom. So
0: I love to talk about the apostles because right. the guys that Jesus chose were, you know, in a, in our modern very you know safety first kind of kind of world (laughs) the wrong look at these guys and we're like are you sure you want that are you sure peter we're to make fun of peter you know because i think we see ourselves in him a lot or you know peter always saying something he shouldn't and kind of leaping at the chance to do something and then you know kind of getting battered back and forth or the sons of thunder james and john the spoiled rich boys that you know were really offended by these samaritans or simon the zealot like, we look at guys like that, and really Jesus, Matthew, the tax collector. Like, why did you pick guys like that? Why would you pick guys that, to use modern language, were, were so aggressive or that were so unruly or that had this, this, were, fire in them. They were them. fringe dudes, you know. Yeah, you know, like, why? I mean, honestly, and the reason is because God was going to send them out to be apostles. Right, they're going to have to stand before the Sanhedrin and before emperors. They're going to get torn apart by wild beasts and skinned alive and crucified, and to try to hold this massive church together. And the Lord needed people that had that kind of fire in them, and so. That's why I, I want to make sure that we don't just strip all of that, especially out of our, our young men who mm-hmm. have all of this this God-given energy to go out and conquer the world and tell, no, nah, you shouldn't do that. That's carnal. One of my favorite parables from Jesus is of the dishonest manager, the shrewd steward, mm-hmm. uh, who... Jesus tells this story about this guy that cheated his boss on the day he was getting fired to set up a better job for him yeah. after he, he was fired. Down, but he marks down a bunch of people's debts, yeah, and and then
1: to to like win favor with a bunch of his boss's business competitors, essentially. Yeah, and and you're like you're waiting for the story to be like, and that's why cheating is bad. That would be how I would end it, and Jesus doesn't give you that satisfactory. No,
0: Luke 16, 8, Jesus said, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now, the immediate context there is about people that know how to lay up treasure for later. Mm -hmm. And he's like, why can't you just, you know, take care of what you have now in order to lay up treasures in heaven. But he's also making a great point. He's like, why can't you take a piece of that energy you have for your job and apply it to the church. I mean, there's so many people that have so much to contribute to the ministry and to life and they know how to handle things in certain situations, but the minute they put themselves in a religious context, they feel like, well, none of that is any good. When in fact, the Lord wants to sanctify those things by the spirit and then turn you loose on the world. And all of God's great difference makers, they kind of had that. Mm. And so not everybody's going to be Elijah, but remember if it's, you know, let's just say you've got a niece who has really, you know, went off to school and and brought home all these weird godless ideas and hates religion. And you sit down at the Thanksgiving table and she just blasphemes and you're just tired of going to it and it's causing disruption in the family. You can be the one to step up and do that, but you got to stop waiting for permission. You've got to be the one to say, no, we're going to say... I, you can't talk that way at this place, and we're not going to allow you to continue to malign our God that way. And you're being disrespectful. Like that's hard for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. To do that, they get, they would rather preach on a street corner than you know confront their their blue-haired niece. You know, like seriously. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, those a Christian, especially a Christian man, but all of us need to be the kind of people that can just step up to Ahab and say, "It will not rain except at my word for the next years." And so I'm going to go home and pray until. That, that becomes a case. So that's what's the big theme I want people to take away is to take initiative in their Christian lives, always with prayer and always with preparation and and tarrying at the brook and all of that. But you got to stop waiting for permission for things. Jonathan and his armor bearer, right? That First Samuel fourteen. Like, let's go over to these these uncircumcised and see, see if the Lord will <laughs> use uh-huh. us to win the battle by ourselves. Meanwhile, Saul is back praying with a with, a, with an ephod. They're waiting to hear from the Lord when. The army was invading the country. And it's like, it's obvious what the Lord's will is. Go out and win the battle, King Saul. And so Jonathan steps out and and the Lord supplies an earthquake to support his his battle and all that. And it's like, man, you got to take that initiative. You got to be the one to step up and say, who is this uncircumcised Goliath to defy the armies of the living God? It's like... That's what I want us to grasp from that. And I think that's true. Like you initiative. said, that's
1: that's true. Whether you feel the Lord's calling you to big, huge things. And I don't always want to paint it in that way. Cause like you said, most people will not necessarily be called to that kind of thing in their life. Most of us just have this, here's the field where the Lord's calling you. You've got this job, this family, these acquaintances, these friends, this local church you're going to, and that's your whole life. And there's yeah. nothing the matter with that. And I think not, that, no,
0: not even a little bit. In
1: fact, I think what's helpful about this is this help the the way that you, thought through things in in Lodge's life and you applied it it's it's helping us apply those things to our immediate life not just like you know someday you should dream big and God'll use you to change the world okay maybe i mean yeah, that, yeah there's awesome. a time for that lesson too for sure and but i think that'd be great you got to be
0: faithful in small things first
1: right and and so i think that looking at it in that way one of the big one of the big lessons that you pulled out i think this is this is over here it says difference makers become targets uh, oh, coming yeah. from first king 19 i think one of the reasons why we don't do what you've been talking about so often right whether it's i'm going to speak up in this way or i'm i'm going to this situation is wrong i know the lord will want something different i'm going to work to change it is i think people really recognize we we're, we're very we're very good at identifying risk as people and we recognize really quickly that that could go badly <laughs> if i do something here something bad could happen so i won't do anything, right? I will just sit and let it yep. stay here. And I, you know, I think this is especially true. I want to be careful how I say this, but I have noticed a thing. Let's Let me put it this way. I have noticed a, a thing happening within the church broadly that a lot of times pastors or ministry leaders are just believers in general are hesitating to speak up and say something because they feel that the way that they say it is going to be critiqued even harder than the actual message Mm -hmm. they're saying so uh what's I can't
0: do it perfectly i shouldn't do it what's an example of this
1: yeah so let's say um you see a big you see a problem maybe with a doctrine that isn't getting taught well or articulated well in your in your background or your church or whatever and so you say you know what we really got to do a better job of articulating this but you're afraid to do that because, you know, if I start trying to explain the thing we're missing with this doctrine, people are going to come and nitpick me on the Internet. They're going to say, well, you've you've failed to mention this or you you said this and that's just wrong. And, and it's going to be so draining for me that I might as well not even speak up or say anything, you know, or maybe you're you're a Christian artist and you're like, I really want to, you know, put this out there in the world. I feel like the Lord's giving me this message or this song or this book or whatever. But you're afraid that somebody somewhere is going to get offended with something that you do. And it's not even worth trying because somebody's just going to get mad at me.
0: How about this? How about you're working in your job Mm -hmm. and uh, they're having diversity training and they expect you to sign a a queer alliance pledge that I pledge to be an ally of the homosexual this and that. And uh, you're like, if I say no, I'm going to get called out in this group. I'm going to get taken down to HR. I might lose my job. Real risks, right? But but you've got to be the kind of person that can say, I'm not doing this because it's against you know, my religious beliefs, but really it's because it's wrong. It's wicked and it's evil. And I'm not going to do it. And that, that's hard. Or, you know, you are, let's say you, you got an unruly child and mm. you say, I don't want to correct this child because I might lose my temper and say something I don't mean. And then I might hurt right. them. It's like, yeah, you, you got to stop worrying about that so much. You know, you talk about Elijah being a target. There's two different chapters where I address this issue and they come from two different directions. And the first one is from a guy in, first uh, Kings I want to say it's 17 I'll pull it up here but it's it's Obadiah now uh, Obadiah was a servant of King Ahab and mm. uh, he was a godly man first Kings 18. he was a godly man and when Jezebel was uh, executing all the prophets it says that Obadiah which means servant of Yahweh servant of the Lord he hid a hundred prophets and was keeping them alive like he was doing the work of somebody living in Nazi Germany hiding Jews in their attic like he was doing that good man. When Ahab meets him, Obadiah is out with, uh, as part of one team, Ahab was part of the other, searching for grass. They were searching for a place to graze their cattle because the famine was so bad there was no grass left anymore. Now when Elijah shows up, Ob- Obadiah is a godly man, but Obadiah is not happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Obadiah is like, what are you doing here? So, tell Ahab I want to see him. He goes, I'm not going to go tell Ahab you want to see him because then you'll disappear and I'll get my head cut off. And there's this attitude that Obadiah has Where if he really was a man of a true man of God, he should have recognized Elijah's doing the right thing. But he's almost like you're going to disrupt. You're going to cause trouble. I've got things right where I want them. You know, it's not good, but at least it's stable. You're just going to make things worse for me. If you come in and and there can be godly people, Christian people that will do this to you, that Mm. they are well-meaning. They have they have uh, not questioning their salvation or their orthodoxy or any of that. But they don't want things to be disrupted, yeah. And so they will oppose you, and that's the first kind of opposition that you can get, and that's often harder. You know, if you oh, say, yeah, we're, we're sure. going to bring this yeah. up. It's like, look, this is just not something that we want to talk about. Why do you got to stir the pot? Why do you got to make trouble? Can't you just get along? Uh, you know, there are many pastors, for example, that like, I don't want to talk about this subject. I don't want to talk about blood. I don't want to talk about sin. Because I believe all—it's not that this pastor doesn't believe in those things, but it's because he knows that I've got that one elder who is going to come at me, or I've got this little faction over here that's going to cause trouble, and they tithe, and it's going to cause a big fight, and the church will split. Or, you know, if you've got—you know, let's say you're you're living at home, you're a younger person, and you've got uh, a—you know—a dad who is mistreating your mother, for example, and your mom's a Christian lady and you want to address it and stop it. No, just don't say anything. Just don't, just leave it alone. It's going to cause trouble. it's like, but this is a big problem. We've got to try to fix it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is stirring the pot, but it's got to be stirred. And Mm. so that's, that's the first kind of opposition you can face is people that mean well and and should be on your team. Right. But they, they will oppose you because they're like, this is going to cause it's going to cause more trouble to fix this than I am willing to endure.
1: And that's, a, you know, that's true. And so many, you know, you can think about that in family. There's always one peacemaker in every family situation, right? Where it's like, they just don't want the conflict to happen because conflict is bad. And I thought that was a good thing to bring up here is that, you know, if you know that when the Lord is calling you to make a difference, no matter how small the situation is, that you're going to get opposed, it's going to help you when that opposition comes because you're not going to be surprised and you're not going to be as discouraged and you're not going to start thinking, well, I must have done something wrong because somebody's upset. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's an important to know because there's lots, look, if I had a, you know, and the longer that you serve your family as, as a leader, or you just serve your family in general, whatever your position, your family is, or you're at, at work or the longer you're in ministry, for sure. You start to collect those, you know, if I had a nickel for every time somebody got upset, <laughs> like the nickel jar gets really full and you realize, Hey, it's not the end of the world when we get upset. It's okay. Like we're going to, we're going to push through it. We're going to figure things out. We're going to love each other. I'm not going to fail to do the thing the Lord is asking me to do fail, to set the situation right in the way that the Lord desires it just because of the risk that somebody gets their feathers ruffled. Yeah. You,
0: know? you can, you can see this politically too, uh, where, you know, Christians have been told many times like, why can't you guys just let the social stuff go? Mm. Why look, yeah. uh, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned, Sorry, praise neither. the Lord. But for a long time it was, why can't you just let the abortion thing go? It's legal now. Because why can't we just let the gay thing go? Because if it wasn't for these two issues, don't you realize we could build a coalition that would swamp the other side and and then we could fix the economy and we could get the nation running again and then maybe we come back and address these issues. But these are the sticking points that are causing you trouble. Why do you have to talk about Israel? Why do you have to talk about... Mm-hmm. But it's And there are many that give into that. Like, well, let's just make nice so that we can do this. But a difference maker sees the issue, the big problem, and Elijah, like, the problem isn't that there isn't any grass. Right. The problem is that we're worshiping Baal and executing prophets. Right. And I, I make a comment in there that uh, may be a little, little facetious, but it's like you're going to mess up somebody's look for grass ministry. You know, like I, my whole identity <laughs> is built around, built around looking for grass. And right when you should be praying for fire from heaven, like mm-hmm. not looking for grass, man. Like right. The issue is bigger than this. And the things that you need to correct in your life are going to be messy at first. Like it's any, it's like trying to pull a splinter out of a little kid. You ever have to do that? Yes. Kid run around Many on times. your deck and get a splinter in their foot. And <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you pin them down and like they're screaming bloody murder. Like you're going to kill them. It's like, it's, you, know, you could almost say, eh, forget it. Just go away, kid. Just, you know, if it's going to be like that, but, or you take them to the dentist. And of course now dentist technology is incredible, man. Like they can numb a kid up in two seconds. And yeah, they're back in my day it was better just and pliers like pliers. And- yeah. They just, they just said, <laughs> shut up and sit down. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that, that, there's gonna be that process of of pulling it out of sorting through this that you know well everything is fine right now but but it's not it's not though like this isn't okay like husbands and wives can have these like stalemate north and south korea things going for years Mm -hmm. where he's not he's angry at her she's not happy with him they're always making snide comments to each other everybody can see they're upset they always they stay apart they're separate and you're like, you guys got to fix this. But the first and person like, that does no, no, something
1: we, but, becomes the target. Yes. Like, because well,
0: you're the problem. You're bringing it up. Why don't you just leave it be? Right. Because yeah. they both know what conversation would have to be had. Yes. But having that conversation has got to be the first step. Right. And a difference maker is willing to say, I'm not looking for grass. You know, we're going to call down fire from heaven. And that's the first kind of opposition. But the second kind of opposition is what came after Elijah called down fire from heaven, and that was when Jezebel sent him a little telegram and said, "You're next, pal. May the gods do so to me and more if I don't have you dead by the end of the day." And Elijah ran for it, which is a shame that he did. But that you're 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 also going to get opposition from unexpected or from the expected places too. Right? You are going to have people like, well, they're going to get mad. Yeah, they probably will. You know, when the church ends up and talks about about sexual sin, the world's not going to like that. Or when you stand up and you talk about gluttony, there's going to be people in your church that are angry. Or you talk about greed, there's going to be people that get angry. Like, y- There's going to be that expected opposition. Like, well, because some people want to present it like this. Like, if you come in godliness and you tell your mother yep. that she just shouldn't talk to your wife like that anymore, she'll break down crying and recognize she's wrong and everything will go okay. Sometimes, or she might blow her stack. <laughs> and now you're yelling and screaming. Yep. That can happen. And... and Often does happen, but a the kind of person we're talking about here, and I think the person we all want to be, is the person that is willing to pay that cost and willing to to maybe sometimes go to the mat with somebody in order to work out the best thing, not just what's working for us right now.
1: So you're saying that if we want to make a difference and the Lord is calling us to make a difference in certain situations, we're not always going to be able to make that difference without, you know, whatever you want to call it, conflict or struggle or strife or issues, which I think that's part of the
0: problem is a lot of times. Name me a difference maker that was able to do that. Yeah. Well, and and a lot (laughs) of times
1: we basically set ourselves these false boundaries of like, well, if the Lord wants to change the situation, he'll do it in a way that doesn't cause any pain, crying, yelling, or or like any any strongly worded emails. And it's like, no, those might all be needed um, symptoms of the problem actually getting fixed. Yeah. You know, and now, now look, we we were laughing about this before we hit record. You cannot judge the success of your difference-making ministry just by the amount of suffering and yelling that happens. Oh yeah, that's the other
0: right. Yeah, talk about that because sometimes there's a certain kind of person that hears this and just. Rubs their hands together with glee, right? Because it's you know to talk about they they are the mess, they are the drama. Of, yeah. You know
1: the, the, these are the people that you know they they have an antagonistic personality. They, they 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 love the conflict. They live for the argument, and so they hear this as like you know I am you know Ministry 007. I have license to, to <laughs> you know to, to go out there and mess things up, right? I'm I'm going to go and the more you know license I, to mess things up. I, I'm the I'm you know well I just have a prophetic spirit, so that's why people get frustrated around me. No you're just a jerk
0: <laughs> yes. and
1: and people get frustrated around you because you're being jerky and then you're you're slapping the label of ministry and godliness on it and that's slapping really not a fish on it yeah that's <laughs> not cool you know to say no no this is godly that i'm talking down to everybody and criticizing constantly and picking fights no it's not godly it's it's wrong dude yeah. so there, there can I, be. i like that. to point
0: out there's a lie there's ezra and nehemiah when ezra found out there was a problem Ezra went to the temple, <laughs> tore his clothes, and wept. Uh-huh. And there was a massive revival. Yep. When Nehemiah found out there was a problem, he, he knocked <laughs> people down and pulled out their beards yep. and, and forced a confession out of them. And, and there was a mighty revival. Right. The Lord can use both kinds of person, yes. but you know, those of you that I think many and probably most, I think, Christians, the more common problem is people that need to have a little bit of steel put into their yes. space. That well, it's okay I, to be opposed.
1: Well, that's the thing that I was actually just about to say is I, I think there is the counter part of that too, where if you have people that love to make conflict and then slap a fish on it, I think sometimes you have people that love to avoid conflict and then they cloak
0: that. And they slap a fish on that And they slap too, a fish right? on that and they
1: say, oh, well, this is the way to do things. It's, it's only you know, godly, if you're doing it like me, which is I never ever have conflict. And if you then are a person who goes out and tries to make a difference in a situation and that might cause some conflict, they say, well, you, you know, that's just, you're, you're in the flesh and you're causing issues. When in reality, you might have prayed through that situation. You say, no, before the Lord, I'm actually trying to fix this problem. And yes, there's this, the dust is going on, pardon our dust, <laughs> but there's constructive things happening. Because, and so I think, yeah. how, how do you, let me just ask this is going on from this, as, as we go through, you know, Elijah's life, how do you tell the difference? just real practically in your life to know, am I just going in here and causing trouble or is this something the Lord has sent me to fix? And this is just a symptom of that.
0: You talking about in terms of like being, am I being too intense or am I doing this legitimately?
1: Yeah. Or just like personally, as you're looking at a situation, let's, you know, family is an easy one or or, or workplace, right? You go in there and I'm like, okay, I am experiencing blowback. There is opposition. There is mess and yelling. I I understand. How do I know? When it's my fault, and how do I know when it's, nope, this is a sign that I have done the thing the Lord sent me here to do, and I'm going to keep moving?
0: Uh, there's a couple things. I think the first one is, remember that before Elijah returned to Mount Carmel, he spent years at the brook Cherith. That is true. And at the widow's house, praying and being prepared. So when Elijah went to take a step, he knew that he was doing the right thing. So you need to be prayed up and right. and prepared through the word through worship through books like this through godly counsel, uh, you you need to do that first. So let's just assume that that's been done. Um, I think well one thing would be it, does it seem like every time you try to do something it turns out this way? Is every godly person you know taking a stand against you? Like even people that don't really. Are, are not really of that temperament, right? You know, maybe you, you have some people in your life that, you know, they just don't want to rock the boat and it doesn't matter. They just never want to rock the boat. Well, find somebody, you know, who is, you trust and is godly and mm-hmm. is willing to rock the boat right? and talk to them about it mm-hmm. and say, am I wrong here for Good doing point. this? And you know what, what I'd like us to get more okay with is you are doing the right thing, but you're maybe not doing it in the best manner. Because you can fix the manner in which you do something, yeah. and I think it is better. And I, I, I think people could maybe debate this point, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I think it is better to fix a problem and then wait forever for the best way to do it to fix a problem. To then, like, well, sure, you know, I think about before I move on to that. I'll just I'll finish answering your question. How do you know? Like, I mean, consider yourself. Like, do you have any self-doubt at all? Like, do you have any? Like, well, this is. If a godly person gets Uh mad at you for doing something, even if you still end up concluding that you're in the right. That's a good point. You should take a step back and say, well, I really respect him. And he thinks I'm doing the wrong thing. Am I doing the wrong thing? Okay. No. What am I trying to do? Okay. Is anybody with me? Is anybody supporting? Now you have to, sometimes you have to stand alone, but you, you've got to take the time and, and check that out. But also expect inspect your flesh here. Hmm. Like, do you just get so gratified at yelling at people? Like do you just like, oh, that felt good. <laughs> uh-huh. Get that out of there. You can always tell when you're when you're you, you used anger in a godly way when you're very glad that you said what you said, but you're regretful that it had to come out like that.
1: You know, sure. I don't know
0: if I've ever had a, an instance where I had to raise my voice with somebody and I'm not really a temper loser. I, I, I can, That I've got other things that I have to struggle with. <laughs> temper is not really one of them. Uh, but whenever I've had to raise my voice or get intense or get in somebody's face, all things I'm willing to do and have done, I'll think about it later and I'll, I'll, I'm kind of not happy about it. Like I don't feel good about mm. it. Like Oh, man, I really wish Obadiah was with me on this. one. I was hoping Obadiah would be with me on this mm-hmm. one. Or are you just like, well, good? They need that. They right. need me to get in their face. Right. You're kind of doing the Rehoboam thing, uh-huh. where you're like, well, I, who cares what the old men said? All the young men are on my side. I'm gonna whip you with scorpions. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's from the Bible. I didn't just make that up. That's um, <laughs> weird. Otherwise. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no. I... So, but yeah, it is definitely something to look out for. But you know what you're like. Like, yes. do you ever do you ever go over the top? Like sometimes I'm afraid I'm going to sometimes it's the it is the sweetest and kindest and nicest people that are Usually. so worried they're going to they're going to overstep their boundaries. Mm-hmm. I'm like sweetheart you are not the one to be worried about this <laughs> That's right and in fact it might do you good to overstep your boundaries once in a while like not like on purpose but you know what i mean like yeah. just to have gone there just to know that you can right my,
1: my personal gauge for this is if i am having shower conversations with the person and you know exactly what i'm talking about if i <laughs> am another thing yeah exactly if i if i'm rehearsing and I, my i can feel my flesh latching onto this thing I wait to have the conversation because I know that right now my flesh just wants it so bad. I want to have this. I just want to duke it out with this person. But if I get in a a situation where I can feel the Holy Spirit is prompting me, you've got to have this conversation. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't, I don't, we, can we not do this? Can we not do this? And the Lord says, I want you to have this conversation. I at least can take heart in the fact that, look, I'm not going in here because I'm going to, oh, I'm so looking forward to this. I'm going reluctantly, but knowing that the Holy Spirit is sending me. I'm always happy with those conversations. Yeah. The ones where I've, oh man, I've I've prepped up all my ammo and I'm just ready to rock, I tend to regret those. Yeah. Um and and so I think that, you know, to, like you said, just judge your flesh. If your flesh is excited about it, let's avoid it for a little while. If if you're if your spirit is moving you forward, and, and you know, I I the best people at dealing with conflict are people that the more I get to know them, if I talk with them after a conflict, they they are sitting there saying, "Oh man. I like you said, I I'm not even sure I was, you know, they, they start second guessing. They start thinking they're not just sitting there putting their feet up on their desk and that went great. And I'm bright that they, they're, yeah. they're willing to go through that process of it's asking, a humility aspect. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's and exactly right.
0: To be clear. I mean, hopefully you've got a good pastor, you've got a good husband mm-hmm. or wife that can help you with this. And I, th- th- this is not all about being aggressive, but this is everybody's biggest fear in dealing uh, not everybody, a lot of people's biggest fear in having tough conversations is that there's going to be a fight. Sure. And I don't want to get in. Well, good. You shouldn't want to get into it. Some people just, I mean, they're spoiling for a fight. And that's what they like <laughs> to do. I'm not one of those people. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd like everybody to get along and then we can compete according to the rules. I'm a rules guy. That's, that's, I make a good Bible teacher for that reason. It's like, what are the rules? We'll do that. I don't want to get in there and just like a, a, assert my will on somebody. But this is what we're talking about is opposition and that you're going to be opposed and that there are certain people who ought to support you but won't. And you need to be willing to say, am I, am I before God fixing the right thing? And maybe that's what you can, you can say to somebody It's like, look, what I'm trying to do is this, the way this family talks to each other is unacceptable. We have a tendency to avoid conflict or we all walk on eggshells around mom and she rules the roost that way. Or, you know, the pastor has got a bad temper and no one ever says anything about it. And he's continuing to browbeat people and someone's got to say something and that, if you can express that, hopefully the person with you can say, well, look, I agree that something's got to be done too, but I just don't think we should do anything about it. Then maybe you can have a different discussion. Uh, I've had instances um, where I've come out of conversations and then we reconvene and I'll say, you know, I I am sorry for the way I said that, but I am not sorry for what I said. Mm. And
1: I think also, you know? this is a takeaway that I had from from the devotional too, is I, if We should always ask ourselves if we are getting closer to or further away from the way that people in in scripture acted, the way that the Lord, people who the Lord points out as godly acted and their personality, even the way that they handle situations are further away. And if when you read a book like, like Difference Makers and you go through that devotional, you say, you know what? That's not like, I'm not exactly like that. I don't think I would have done it that way. Okay. It's a good thing to ask yourself, why, how can I get more like that? Yeah. If you, if you look at the life of, you know, Paul, or you look at the life of Elijah, or you look at the life of, you know, Jesus, and David, John, David, the Baptist, and, and you're right? saying, well, I don't know if I would do it that way. Well, you need to change. Yeah. Not, not the great heroes of the faith, you know, and of course, Jesus is easy because we know that we need to be more like Jesus character. But what about the people that Jesus points out in scripture? I like that guy.
0: Yeah. But look at even, even look at Jesus. Yeah, mean, yeah. Look at Jesus's life. I, mm-hmm. I think often we, um, we operate with a caricature. Of of oh, these of people, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you look at Jesus. Jesus was, I mean, obviously not a passive person, right? And Jesus was not looking for trouble. Although sometimes he kind of was looking for trouble. <laughs> He'd show up and be like, you know, I'm going to deliberately do something to provoke this conversation because this is a conversation right. that needs to be had. How about I I'm heal not the guy, in yeah. sin, but boy, is it going to tick these Pharisees off? Right. How about off. I heal the guy in the Sabbath? I'm going to, yeah, it I'm going to do yeah, this yeah. in front yeah. of everybody right, right. so that they all know, so that I can say, you know what? I'm glad I did that. I'm glad you said something because now we can talk about uh-huh, it, uh-huh. and we should do. a the whole series on how Jesus handled people, uh, because that's a, an amazing that thing. Fun. But I'd remind you guys, like we look at somebody like, um, you know, somebody like Esther, shall we say, who was a difference maker. She stepped up and yep. did what needed to be done, but she was paralyzed with fear mm-hmm. and had to fast and pray for three days mm-hmm. before she went and talked to her husband. Yeah. Maybe some of you need to fast and pray for three days before you go talk to your husband about <laughs> something because he might well kill me, right? <laughs> but look at Abraham. Abraham uh-huh. was a bold man of faith, but Abraham was a passive guy. right? Abraham, no, she's my, she's my sister, not my wife. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> step, step up and Come say, that's on, my wife, and you can't have her. Right, right, right. Like, you're not the, you're not the jerk uh-huh. for saying that. In you other know? words, or, we can't
1: just write it off as, well, that's not my personality, because this isn't a personality trait in the Bible. It no. is, this is how we are called to act to walk with the Lord, and all everybody's personalities can fall under that.
0: Yes, you but know? the point I'm trying to get, to get across here, we mentioned, so Ezra, Esther, Abraham, Isaac, mm-hmm. even Jacob. For most of yeah. his life, was a very... I mean, the, Jacob is the definition of passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you look at guys like that, and they had to do what the Lord told them to do. Right. You get other people like David, mm-hmm. like John the Baptist, like Jesus, like Paul, who uh, probably weren't even so pleasant to be around sometimes. <laughs> but they were godly <laughs> too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they had to learn certain lessons right. about, about controlling themselves and everything. But... The people that were passive and, and calm in the Bible had to learn how to integrate into their character mm. that forthrightness. Right. And we need to do that, too. That Elijah, I, that's, I, I like to say this a lot of times, does does the Bible's presentation of Elijah, does that have a place in your conception of a godly man? Mm. If it doesn't, you've got to, like you said, you've got to rework this. Right. Uh, very often I, I say that when we talk about things that Jesus said. Mm-hmm. like Jesus said that. And you're supposed to be just like him. Are you like that? Mm-hmm. Then you need to take the time to work this into your personality, and that needs to include a a, uh, a, willingness to be opposed and a willingness to have people that are against you and not to, you know, you want to try to be at peace with all people, but you can't let those uh, those verses about being kind and, and turning the other cheek and everything else, that that does not erase everything else that the Bible teaches. About stepping forward and doing the right thing when it needs to happen. What is that old
1: song says? I want to be more and more like Jesus, and I think we always use that usually as like we want to be more gentle and kind, nicer.
0: Which is yeah, nicer is fair. Gentle
1: and kind is good, right? Because those are biblical virtues. Of course, nice. Yes, is is like it's helping me. Just as you're saying, thinking through. If I want to be more and more like Jesus, there's times when Jesus is asking me to be confrontational, like Jesus was. Yeah. Right. And, and that is being more like Jesus character. If I'm, if it's about the right things and in a godly way, then there's nothing the matter of saying, Lord, make me if I need, like you said, forthright, I think is a better way to put it. Yeah. Like, make me more forthright, make me more resolute, you know, make yeah. me more steadfast in this situation. There are certain like people
0: Jesus. that ought to be your enemies. Like there are certain people that should oppose you. Oh, here we go. Because they are you don't want to be on their team. Here we go. (laughs) You don't want Ahab and Jezebel on your team. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you want you want Jezebel to know that you're not with her on this one. Right. Like you and do you want to be winsome and try to bring her to your side? Yeah, but you bring her to your side. Right. And if you know she's never going to, then it's like, all right, then we stand opposed to one another. We stand against one another. Even if it's a godly person like Obadiah, or I use Jesus' example, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the ones that had right doctrine, a love for the word, and a love for God and his people. They should have been on Jesus' side. (laughs) But they weren't. They weren't. They were distracted by other (laughs) things. But what you see happened is after the the gospel, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, many Pharisees were saved. And they were causing trouble in the book of Acts. It's a lot of fun to read that. And And a Pharisee wrote most of our New Testament. Paul. So that, that's, that's going to happen. So a, a, this is a long talk about that point about being opposed. And we kind of got into this again, back to initiative, that don't let the fact that someone's going to oppose you or oppose you loudly, or how can I go about this situation in such a way that everybody will be happy with me? Y'all, that might not be possible. Mm. So you do it in such a way that God is with you and the right people are able to support you. And uh, then you step out. And uh, if the wrong people are opposing you, well, then good. It sounds like you're doing something
1: right. Right. right There is a formula for how to make a difference in a godly way. Um, So I want to I want to shift gears just slightly, you know, really, really encourage you guys to check this out. This is available. How can they if people want to get a hold of this, how
0: how can we get a hold of it? Uh, They can go. Amazon is the easiest way to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a paperback version, Kindle version. Um, and i am currently recording the ebook or sorry audiobook so maybe Sweet. by the time you listen to this the audiobook will be ready i wasn't going to do that because i thought who wants to listen to an audiobook for their daily devotions and then i had a bunch of people say when are we going to get the audiobook for this one And i said okay well audible I'll get on that.
1: enjoyers represent yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right.
0: so that's that's coming up uh, you also can the the link is on the church website yep. and if you live in the trustville area you can come to the church and you can pick one up there too so
1: and like all of our books this is on ironworks uh, media as well.com or
0: right is that the url Org. Yeah, ironworksmedia.org <laughs>
1: um, trying to get this right so i want to talk about just spend a minute talking about that too because I, you know again guys I, I like i said i really encourage you guys to check this out this is something that has been really edifying and and a blessing for me just like the other books that we've put out, um, I'm I'm not just recommending them just because I'm recommending them because I'm excited about them and I, I would hope you know I've sent copies of these books to friends of mine and said you got to read this so I these are things that I really believe in and I'm excited that they're there as a resource. Tyler, I want I want us to talk for just a minute, kind of about like to zoom out a bit from okay, so we've got this book, it's something we are encouraging people to read, but what. If you had to explain, what is your maybe broader vision for these resources and what we're doing with Ironworks, and how does this fit in in your mind to what we're doing at Calvary Chapel Trustville, and and yeah, basically the the why of some of that of what what is causing you to think this is what's needed right
0: now is is doing this kind of work. Well, I, I've always had a heart to be a uh, a resource generating church. Mm-hmm. You remember from back in the day when we were meeting at my uh, in my basement yeah. in my house in Virginia before we planted this church. That was one of the things that we talked about with all of us there. And the the planting team was we want to be a church that generates resources for the church. This podcast is one example of that. Right, yeah. Uh, that we wanted to talk about theological issues, and uh, that's mostly what we do around here. Today's uh, slightly different, but um, to get some good edification out there, partly because there is so much bad theology out there Correct. man you can find it does not take any time at all to find false teaching on on YouTube shall we say <laughs> uh and we wanted to combat some of that but also uh i've always enjoyed writing and i've always mm-hmm. you know that's something that i just like to do and i thought well i could also write some books for the church and and what the idea is for this is to have a place where we can have all of these things in one spot you know where we have the podcast we have the books we have the um I don't know, maybe we have a blog down the line, conference material, The conferences that we do. I'd love to do maybe even more than one, like Mm -hmm. uh, to eventually even invite some other other writers and other uh, guys that are friends of ours that we trust to come in and contribute to it. Because, uh, you know, I think that Calvary Chapel specifically as a movement has something to say. Hmm. I think we have a unique place in American evangelical Christianity, and I I'm here not just because I was raised here. I stayed because I think this is the best place to be. Right. And I would love to see us as a movement develop a culture of of writing, of producing things, of speaking out into the the atmosphere a little bit more. And Calvary Chapel as dominated radio, Christian radio for a long time. Like we're, we're (laughs) well involved in that. And, uh, we've, we're well in that. And, and of course everybody does their teachings online and everything, but I'd love to just take this a a step further Mm -hmm. and to, to grow to a place where we have a resource for, uh, people to come. It's like, they're going to put out good stuff. they're, you know, they're not going to have any sort of weird false teaching. They're trying to slip in there, you know, exactly what you're getting and whether it's like some big theology books or whether it's a, you know, something like this, that is just a devotional or anything in between and, you know, video series and podcasts. And that, that, that's the vision is I want to see that done. And not everybody wants to do that. And not everybody is capable of that perhaps. And this is, I think something that we have a, some people, my, myself included, that are excited about this, mm. that want to do this, that are able to do this, and so uh, that I would love that to be part of our our ministry as a church, and and also to grow even beyond and uh, and distinct from our church as well.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, we I know we've had all these conversations, Tyler, and it's it's it is something that I'm also very excited about, and I think is from the Lord. And and the you know this is something that crosses over. I mean, in my day job and with different people that I work with, I'm constantly hearing this theme of. In the day and age in which we live, where people are coming to your church, they're sitting for an hour and a half, and they're hearing a message, and then they leave, and they are immediately on YouTube and listening to podcasts and and reading blogs and all of that material. Well, it's not bad. Look, I I'm I'm I love YouTube a lot. I, I'm on there all the time and there's, I have kind of a love hate relationship with <laughs> YouTube, to be honest with you. It, it used to be better <laughs> uh, and there's, and there's great resources on there that we all benefit from as the church. I I write on Substack. I like Substack. I think there's cool stuff on there. I there's all these great things. That's great. But if as a pastor, you have a pastoral heart and you see your people hearing from the word this, and then most of what they consume during the week is either just kind of fine or actively going against, what the teaching of the word is. Very much so. I think it's something that we should be, you know, just speaking to the ministry guys that are listening, I think it's something that we should think about is how are we blessing and edifying and encouraging our people when they walk out of the doors of our church? Are we making available, you know, and, and you know what? This is kind of, talking about the difference makers thing i think in the past a lot of guys have said well but if i speak to those things somebody might not like the opinion that i have because now i'm stepping outside of what i'm willing to stand on my two feet in the pulpit and say the lord says this and i'm saying something that might be you know paul says right not not christ says so honestly i think it's it's a good time for us as churches to begin saying you know what let's let's create some things that'll be a blessing and a resource to people and we'll encourage them and push them forward in their faith and give them practical day in day out advice and let's give space for each other to do that
0: yeah and i say specifically within Calvert chapel too yeah know, say specifically within the cca because uh we i think we have a lot to contribute yeah uh, i think that there are a lot of great guys that you know we could maybe build a platform where they'd be able to use. Sure. Uh, Their gifts in this way and the kind of will do the work for you if you are, you know, of releasing it and all that. And um I also find that uh there's lots of ministry and theology podcasts and books and, and all those blogs and everything else, but um, you know, very little of it is is within a distinctly Calvary Chapel perspective, at least the things that I come across regularly, unless you go looking for it, you know. And um, like I said, I think Calvary Chapel is right on a lot of stuff and has a pretty good uh perspective on a lot of issues that we ought to be in the conversation. And so um, that's what we're doing, and, and this book is is part of that. But, of course, I mean, it's not just to build a, a system and build a, a movement or a platform here. I, I really think that these things that we've done, like this this book here, is going to help somebody. And, I, I, in fact, I can just testify already. The Lord has already sent some people to me that have been like, hey, I read this, and, man, I, here's what I did because of this. I'm like that's awesome. Right, right, that's right. That's wonderful. Right, right. Like that that the Lord used this to do that and you know and Elijah's just such a cool story and there's edification, there's teaching in it and you know to to motivate somebody to step up and to do more yeah. for the Lord yeah, yeah, and yeah. that and grab hold of their their mm-hmm. Christian life in a in a really cool way, then that's that's totally worth it, you know? And it's part of the the larger vision of what we're doing hopefully with Ironworks here.
1: And I was going to say too and this is not just to, you know, pat ourselves on the back, but It has been such a cool blessing. Just practically, if you're maybe, you're listening, you're on the fence, like, well, if I do this, like, is that going to make a difference in my church? Tyler, how how many people, this is not just to toot our own horn, but just how many people have we heard, even just from our congregation, who've said, thank you guys for doing this. It has been a blessing to me in this or that way. And that includes episodes where i was kind of like well i hope somebody likes this you know i hope this encourages somebody and pr folks have said this was edifying this was encouraging thank you for doing something different than you know a sunday sermon that was a blessing to me in my walk with the lord so we've seen fruit from it i mean as a model it is we've seen that it provides fruit that people are blessed and they're encouraged and they're they're moved forward in maturity with the lord and that to me is like hey then it's then it's a thing we should go after and so i'm I'm super excited to be doing this stuff. I can't wait to see where the Lord takes it. And, you know, even things like this, where we're just enabled to, to produce things uh, that will just always be there as a church. That book
0: will now always be
1: able to be a resource for people. Um, I think it's awesome.
0: Well, we still got a little more time. Do you want to get, let's do one more. Uh, I was actually going to say, yeah, as, from the book here as before we're trying we to up. <laughs> in,
1: what is your, like, what is the one thing that we didn't talk about from the book that you were super excited about that you wanted people to get a hold of or, or grab onto?
0: Ooh, ah, that's a good question.
1: Cause, you know when you do a project like this you've got stuff that you're like okay i got to cover this and then there's something that's just this is the thing man that you're so excited about you
0: know i know i had a little stretch there in there where i had a lot of great like classic movie references that I was oh really there we proud go of. i had a, like a mr smith goes to washington uh, illustration yeah. in yeah, there yeah. if jimmy you've stewart, ever classic. seen that jimmy stewart but uh i think let's let's talk about the fact let's just see where this goes <laughs> if it doesn't if there's no uh no depth here we can find another one but Let's talk about the fact that nobody ever mentions the fact. I don't say nobody ever, but very rarely is it mentioned that when fire came down from heaven, it did not fade to black with Elijah praying on top of the mountain. No, no, no. They grabbed hold of a couple hundred prophets, took yes. them down to the brook, and Elijah slaughtered them there. Yes. Down at the brook. And they actually had, I believe it says they had to chase,
1: I've been... Sorry to be this guy. I've actually been to that site in Israel. And um, I think you're standing up on a mountain. And if I recall, they have to kind of chase the guys down the hill, catch them. And then there's the brook is at the bottom of the hill. I could be totally wrong on all this, but this is my recollection. Of how the the passage interacts with the geography is that it's literally like they, they pursue these guys grab them and kill them
0: somewhere. well it's from 18 verse 40 where elijah said to them seize the prophets of baal right. let not one of them escape and they seized them and elijah brought them down to the brook kishon and slaughtered right. them there. which is at the if i remember correctly is that it's he, he literally grabs
1: them and they take them down this hill this big old mountain and they kill them at the base um yeah, yeah that that's wild yeah that's, no that's that's you don't uh get that one on a little precious yeah. moments figurine or, no. or you know well, um, let me let me bring wild. this
0: back to what i said earlier yeah do you have mm. room in your conception of a godly man for a scene like this mm-hmm. and if not why not mm-hmm. that let's let's get the picture here this is a bloody scene this whole mount carmel thing yeah. and maybe if we have more time we can talk about idolatry and and just how and witchcraft and all that stuff because you see these guys out there they're the The deal is, right? You set up your altar and we'll pray, and whichever God sends fire from heaven, you know, He's the real God.
1: And they're already out there bleeding. Yeah. They were imprecations and curses. Yeah, yeah.
0: And they're out in the sun. And imagine there's like, you know, they're praying to this, you know, this God, this false God. And there's, they're all bleeding and they're bleeding out on the altar. And, you know, the the flies would have been gathered Mm -hmm. around. There's 100, I think it was 450 prophets of Baal. And they're all wailing and moaning and screaming and bleeding. And then, When God sends fire from heaven, Elijah says, grab them and take them down to the brook, and they killed them all. That means that Elijah is standing there with a sword in his hand. They're bringing these guys forward and he's beheading them or running them through or slitting their throats. The brook Kishon is running red with the blood of these prophets. They're making a pile of bodies. The people are shouting and celebrating and these prophets are begging for their lives. There's King Ahab. He can't really do anything about it because he agreed to the terms of this. Plus there's a mob of hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. And if he tries to stop it, they're going to rush him. Right And, That's there's Elijah, with splattered and covered in blood, and that that's this picture. Now, Zach, what is it about? And let's be be charitable here with people. Sure. Why does that disturb us so much? I think it disturbs us because it's so
1: different from our day to day. This will never, I guarantee you, this will never happen at your office, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like there will never be a situation. I think where you will there will be a need for that kind of behavior, and so we assume that because we've grown up and live in an environment where this is usually not necessary, it must be wrong or bad. And it's very hard for us, I think, to wrap our minds around the fact that the other places and times where God has seen fit to work in this way, that it's not bad because it's not like our way that God is working right now. And we then, so it starts there. It says, well, that's so different. And slowly it becomes that's wrong.
0: Yeah, and let's then, let's let's throw this piece into it too, though. I mean, let's be fair because there are pe- "thou shalt not kill." That's in the Bible. Okay, Jesus well, said, yes. "Do not resist the one who is evil." Right? Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the Lord. Sure, they, like all all of that. That's all yeah. in the Scripture, and we're not denying that. So, that, I mean, that's a pretty intense, it, it, hard to reconcile for a lot of people. It is, I, and, I, and I understand that. I I would put myself. Yeah, when
1: I read this, I'm not like, oh, that's great. That's how I want to be. I'm like, oh, gee, like, wow, right? But let me let me ask yourself this. Okay, we can both agree, probably, we're dispensational. We can agree that in this dispensation, I would be very suspicious of anyone who stands up and says, I am the new prophet whose job is to execute other prophets. I would say, hold up, (laughs) I have some questions, right? We can agree, but I think we should also be able to agree that is there not some of that spirit that should be in any righteous person? Who wants to walk with the Lord and obey the Lord? The spirit that was filling Elijah is the same spirit that oh, fills yes. us. The
0: Lord is the same. Right. God approved of this. Jesus right. approved of
1: this. Yes. And so and we're not
0: going to back away from that or try to try to, you know, do a little shake and bake. And
1: so I think, like you're <laughs> saying, we need to we need to be open and, and asking ourselves, searching and examining ourselves and asking ourselves, like you've mentioned from the pulpit before, and I thought about that one that Sunday afternoon. I said, okay, what in, in what area of my life am I pursuing the Lord with that level of intensity and violence?
0: Yeah, and that's definitely the, the first place you can go with that is right. you know, to pursue the Lord and to, to deal with sin, to radically yes. deal with Let's Before we address the issue of, of the violence here, because I do want to actually get to that, uh, let, let's talk about this. There ought to be, in the heart of a Christian, a hatred of sin like I mean a despised visceral hatred of sin because it is sin is defined as anything that is anti-god anything that is not god that introduces corruption and sin mm. into this world that's not good that let's let's talk about who these prophets were they were worshiping a false god it's not just a difference of religion here because it's you know that that's a very 21st century kind of atheistic way to look at it they they were worshiping demons you saw what kind of worship they had for these demons they were cutting themselves open they had usurped the culture of this nation Mm -hmm. they had executed they had already gone on an extermination campaign of all the prophets of the lord that's why elijah had to hide so they didn't come and do the same to him so let's not pretend this was just another way of looking at it here this was a pagan heathen demon cult that was that was happening here, and had taken away the 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 true worship of the Lord, and Elijah hated that, and we are likewise to have a hatred hmm. for sin. And I in the book I give a big rundown of all these places in the Bible that tell us to hate sin and to despise iniquity. And you know, uh, let's talk about this because this is as we're recording it, it's June, and this is the celebration of Homosexuality Month in America, huh. and. There, have, I've, I've come across this quite a bit, where there are, are Christian pastors, teachers, writers, whatever, and they talk about homosexuality. And you can apply this across the board, but this is where you see it the most. They talk about homosexuality, and they say, yes, this is wrong. Yes, this isn't fair. or Yes, this isn't good. But, and then they go on, they, they then undercut everything they just said by saying, but we've, we need to love those in the LGBTQ community. We've got to make sure that they always feel welcome. We need to recognize that, that they're having a hard life and they're being excluded from society. And it all carries this tone of it's really too bad that that's a sin, mm. It's really a shame that I I am trapped by the Word of God to say that this is wrong, but you know, people say, like when they say, I don't personally have a problem with homosexuality, but the Bible says that it's wrong. Or when you say like that, just let them live their life, be their friend, be part of it, but you just got to always let them know that you're not okay with this in their life. You don't approve of that part. And... You're supposed to hate sin. Mm. We're supposed to have a violent disgust and distaste for every kind of sin. And we come to this and we have this attitude of, well, look, it's really not that big a deal. And, you know, if you really want to take it there, there's even parts of the Bible where David and others would write, I hate those that, that reject the law of the Lord. I hate the people that reject this and that push sin on people and that celebrate it and support it and worship these false gods. And yes, we're supposed to love each other, but other things in the Bible too. And when we have this attitude of, yeah, it's wrong, but it's really not such a big deal about any kind of sin. But we excuse all sorts of things. But when we talk about, I mean, have you seen this too, Zach? Just this kind of like, yes, yeah, I know that I really can't say this, but you know, if the Bible didn't say it, I'd be all in favor. Never realizing that this thing they're doing is wicked. And vile and disgusting and abominable before God. And it's not only ruining their life, it's corrupting the lives of all those that are around them. And the same thing for greed and the same thing for uh hatred and the same but I don't know anybody who's an apologist for hatred and greed. You right. see them everywhere for homosexuality or, or fornication or any other sort of sexual sin. And we're supposed to have a, a violent distaste for these things.
1: Well, I think part of the problem is that like when if you teach anything from scripture and you end up stacking up so many caveats that you've spent, you know, 10 times as much time on the caveats as what scripture teaches then you're not teaching it correctly. Yes. I understand there are God. Okay. Yeah, sure. We like, we get that. We know that lesson, but it seems that we lack the lesson of if it is within God's character to hate this, It must be within my character to hate it. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? So like, so I. That's exactly it. I think the thing that you're pointing out is like, look, if if God, we're saying that we serve a perfect God, and yet we're standing here in judgment of the attitudes or the intensity with which God's character speaks out against certain things. We don't get to do that right we if if there is a difference of opinion between me and god i am wrong and i can't just stand here and be wrong i must fix it i yeah. must adjust my personality i must adjust my character i must adjust my moral you, you know uh, uh my 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 moral preferences and my you, you know m- like it's like you see these people standing on one side saying well that's what that's what the bible says about it and you know like you said just and saying well i guess that's no if that is the attitude that we have about it, then we are
0: in the wrong. Many people, it's, it's you're being Obadiah in this one. You're being, I don't want to stir the pot. Right. I want to be known as like one of the good ones. And, which is and
1: which is simply nothing more or less than just pride and
0: vainglory. I want yeah, to be is.
1: respected by people who are unrespectable
0: before God. Because what it, what it communicates is I disagree with God on this one, right. but I'm going to submit because he's God. That's not the right attitude to have. Well, it's not obedient. That's not good or godly. Like no. when someone comes to me with with Let's say a pornography addiction, and they say, "Well, I know I shouldn't do it, but you know, I don't really see what the problem is." Like, really, you don't see a problem with lust in your heart and lust in your flesh? That's got to be fixed. Mm. Or somebody comes, out, "I know that I, you know, I shouldn't steal, but I don't really see the problem with it." It's like that's what we've got to address—not the—not <laughs> the issue that you're stealing, the mm. fact that you don't even think this is wrong. When we when go to the prison and we talk to these guys yeah. that tell us about these these horrible things they've committed, yeah. and they said, "But I don't really see what the problem is." then that's why you should be in here, buddy. Right, right, right. Like, and they're not all that way, but a lot of them are. Of them are. And, and so when you when you kind of say that attitude, like you're supposed to have a visceral reaction against sin. And I don't like it when people say, you know, because really what they're doing is you're buying right into the lie that is, well, we, you know, I would get saved if it wasn't for all these Christians that are so mean about homosexuality. That's a lie. That's how they have elbowed their way into the churches and are are working to change what the word says. But whatever your little hobby horse is, and when you've got to recognize that this this action of Elijah here, to come back to this example, was a righteous action. Mm. This was righteous. It is held up in the Bible as the greatest victory of Elijah's life. In other words, God was... That they eradicated idolatry in one day from their city. God didn't look at what Elijah did
1: and say, well now that's done so i guess it's got to be okay but i really would have preferred that you know god can state his mind pretty easily if he wanted to state that you know god god makes it clear in the bible where he disagrees with things yeah moses so, striking the rock right so so god there's no promised land for you god responded to the actions of elijah by filling him with the holy spirit and providing further miraculous you know ratification of the stuff he was doing so if we look at that and we say, well, Elijah did that, but here's a bunch of reasons why not only would we never do that, but also we don't really like his his take or his attitude or his style, guess who's in the wrong? If, if yeah. God ratified it and agreed with it and, and blessed it and we're sitting here on the sidelines saying, well, that's just not how I would have done it. Well, then brother or sister, like... Put, if you can't put yourself in your in that situation and find yourself there, then your character must change and grow. And yeah, I'm putting I, myself in that situation well, too. Consider
0: uh, Samuel, who yeah. says, "Hacked Agag yeah. to pieces I before like the Hewed. Lord." Hued is the good old one, but also Hewed hacked is pretty hacked visceral. Hacked is, is yeah. a pretty good one. Hacked is pretty moral as well. <laughs> Joshua, right? Wipe <laughs> them out. Yeah, Every yeah. single man, woman, child, mm. and beast. Yeah. Get. I want them all dead. And if you don't, you're the one who's in sin. Mm. Like we've got to recognize that that's in the scriptures. And we, it's very well for us to live in the in the most safe, most prosperous nation the world has ever seen with an ocean on the east and the west and an ally to the north and the south with more firepower than the world has ever known and a massive economy and self-sustaining resources for us to sit here and say things like, well, I don't see why you would ever need to get violent about anything. This is in scripture, guys. This, is, this is, was just. This was the Lord executing justice upon this nation. This was these people taking back the land that was the Lord's land. And this was what needed to happen. So you you need to recognize in scripture. I'm I'm really kind of pulling this out mostly just to kind of remind everybody that the Bible does not bow down to you and that you're supposed to yeah. bow down to the Lord yes. of the Bible. Well, yes. And 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 recognize that yes, when Jesus is talking about not turning the other cheek and and all that, that's all true in your, in your personal dealings and in your everyday life. But all the rest of that stuff is in there too. Mm. You can't just say, well, this trumps all of that. No, it doesn't. Because when Jesus returns, Jesus is going to slay the righteous with the sword or the slay the unrighteous with the sword that comes out of his mouth and tread the winepress of the wrath of the fury of God almighty.
1: You know what? Can like I go, that, can this I is go part little, of Jesus's character. Can too. I go a little farther even? If, because we're on this theme of difference makers. If, if you're listening to this and you're saying, I would love to be a difference maker. I, I see a problem. I, maybe it's a big problem. Maybe you're out there seeing a huge thing, not even a small thing. And you're saying, I want to make a difference in that. It is my understanding from reading this devotional title that you put together and from looking at the life of Elijah and just generally practically looking at the world. If you want to be a difference maker, you need to have more of this in your life, the the fire, the willingness to go a little too far and let the Lord correct you rather than sitting, you will not be remembered in your, I'll go as far as say, you will not be remembered in your work for the Lord, in your life for the Lord, if you are the kind of person that is constantly caveating and blunting and dulling the edge of what the word says and constantly finding reasons why, well, maybe let's not get excited or maybe not, we shouldn't go that hard. Yeah. The people that will be, and you know, if you're listening saying, well, why would you want to be remembered? because that's what that's the promise god holds out for us i'll be he says, remembered in heaven I'll yeah be don't you want like, don't you want these rewards i always think of again not not a not even necessarily moving re- recommending but the the um what's his name standing on the prow of the ship and saying immortality take it it's yours right like that's that's the heart that elijah had he said oh well god's gonna clean out the prophets huh well then here here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go out and see what if what if god cleaned out the prophets this way and he goes he goes for it if you want to make a difference in the kingdom of god The people that I see in scripture doing that are people that have this kind of fire in them where the Lord, the Lord doesn't have to stoke the fire. He has to insert the damper a little bit. Yes, those are the people that make
0: a difference in Scripture
1: consistently
0: and throughout church history. That's I mean, accurate. Consider the people that God has used. Yes, and like Martin Luther was not a pleasant individual. <laughs> no, not at all. He was not a nice guy. No. like he had yeah. he had all kinds of problems and yes, things he that did. he said that were like, oh, why did you? But the yeah. Lord's like, you know what I can do is I can take this German monk and use his hard head to uh-huh. smash down the wall yeah. of the Catholic Church, and then I'll bring in a guy you know, maybe a little kinder than him. And then yeah. we'll we'll sort out the details. But the Lord needs people like that. Mm. D- you know, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, another German guy with a hard head, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to kill Hitler. He's a stubborn well, should guy. should have done that? He's like, what, what do you mean, should I do that? He's, yeah. he's destroyed the church. He's slaughtering God's people and he's rampaging across the world. Yeah. Like, he put a neo-pagan in charge of the church. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not advocating for any kind of violent uprising here. But what I'm saying is... Like you're saying, Zach, I'm gonna just repeat and emphasize it. You've got to have that kind of fire inside of you. Right. If you don't have, if you don't have it in you to execute the prophets of Baal if the Lord told you to, then that's a problem. You you've got to have that that obedience, that drive, that fire, and that faith inside of you. And none of you are gonna be put in the position where you've got to. I, I, I can't imagine to <laughs> execute a bunch of pagan prophets that have killed all the pastors in town. But okay. Can you confront your mother-in-law? Right. Can you tell your boss, no, I won't work Sunday mornings anymore? Can you look at your own life and say, I have got to start stop flirting with that woman because I'm going to commit adultery? Can you come up to the people in your small group and say, listen, you guys are gossiping about people in the church. We've got to stop this. Mm. Are you willing to go to the school board meeting in your town and say, this is what's going on in, in our library or in our school, and I won't stand for it. This is my community too. Are you willing to do any of that? There's a verse that Jesus uh, gave us from Matthew. We're talking about John the Baptist. Matthew 11, verse 12. He says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. has suffered violence, yep. and the violence take, violent take it by force. Yep. What's he talking about? What he's talking about, if you look at the context there, he's talking about all these people that are coming to salvation. And he says, and they're coming violent. It's not like you know they're going to attack the kingdom of God to assail it. It's like, They're storming the gates of heaven. He's like all of these people that like John the Baptist, When the minute he started preaching, all of these undesirable, unwashed masses are crowding into the kingdom of heaven. The blind can see, the lame can walk. They're ripping up the roof to lower their friends down into it. There's lepers running into the city saying, Jesus, please help me. He's like, that's what it's going to take. Do you have that kind of fire? Do you have that kind of drive that says, we're going to do it for Jesus? Mm. Not like I'm going to build something big it's going to last forever. But it's like, no, it's as for, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah. And the domain that I've been given, where I am the the ruler of this domain, right. we serve the emperor Jesus. Right. And he's going to be king here. In my marriage, in my personal life, in my business, in my kids' life, in my education, in my interactions online, Jesus will be king. And this it, The Bible tells us to violently... Handle sin over and over again. Cut off your right hand and cast it from you. Put to death what is earthly in you. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is the fire and the drive that 21st century American Christians have to have. Not for politics, not for their sports team, not for their favorite hobby but for Jesus and the kingdom of God. Well, and I
1: think that's a good point that you mentioned right at the end is if you don't cultivate this in your walk with the Lord, it will find its way out in other places in your life, but those won't be godly places. You'll be spending all, imagine spending all of that drive, all of that the anger, even the righteous anger that you're supposed to be spending in the service of the kingdom. And you're like you said, blowing that on politics. <laughs> you know, imagine the Lord's in looking at it and be like, I wanted all that. That was mine. I wanted your obsessive, focus and i wanted your ambition i wanted your anger and i wanted to point it all at the kingdom and you blew it on you know who who the pittsburgh steelers got in the first round man (laughs) like you know not that these things aren't important but surely right if if that's all in there we say you know sometimes we say our generation you got that dog in him right if that's all in there let it out for the right thing you know, don't just, don't just, oh, well, that's not for, that's not for holy things. That's for the street. The The Lord wants to be king of the street too. He, yeah. he wants to be wherever you are exercising this kind of difference-making spirit and intensity and sometimes just a little bit of like chutzpah for lack
0: of a better term, right? Mm-hmm. He, he The Lord wants you to be doing that everywhere. Picture Jesus coming up to, to Matthew, the tax collector. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, why don't you come follow me instead? Yeah. What, you, you really want to spend your life... Counting money for Rome, yeah, ripping your people like, really, off. is that yeah. what you want? You want to be, you want be rich? Yeah, come be rich in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah. Come up to Peter. You want? To, why, why don't you quit catching fish and come be a fisher of men, Peter? Like mm-hmm. Simon the Zealot. You want to change the world? Come change the world with me. Right. Let's go around the world and, and get everybody. Paul, you want to? You want to find the truth? I'll show you the real truth, mm-hmm. man. You want to go out and you want to, you want to travel outside the bounds of your s- city to do God's work? <laughs> Buddy, doke. I'll send you all over the world. Right, right, right. And that's what God does. And, I'll, you know, we may be living in one of these generations, and I'm inclined to think that we are. There comes a time in history where a generation has to set aside what they want to do what is right. I think of the World War II generation. Hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want to go to college. I want to build a house. I want to raise a family. Well, Pearl Harbor just got bombed. And now we're at war with some of the mightiest nations in the world. Time to go. Mm -hmm. Or the revolutionary generation in America. I I love, uh, there's a quote from John Adams where he says, I must study war and politics so that my children can study engineering and farming so that their children Mm -hmm. can study poetry and art. He's like, sometimes a generation has just got to step up and say, we're not going to get to cash the chips in in my lifetime. Right. But maybe my grandchildren were. Right. I like to share this because it's, you know, it's, it's my family, but, you know, you can have it. It's yours. It's, <laughs> when we looked up our family crest and creed from, from England back in the day, a long time ago, you know, the, 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 the words of our family house was non nobis tantum nati, which is Latin for we are not born for ourselves alone. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a bigger responsibility than just your life, man. Just your life, miss. You've got to take control. And maybe this this Christian generation has got to say, you know what? We're not going to be able to do it like our parents did. We're not mm-hmm. going to be able to do it like our grandparents did. Because this nation is in trouble. Uh, the, the Spiritually, we're on the decline. Even on those that are trying to morally reform the country, it's still infested and infected with sin. And even if we fix this problem, this one's going to rise up, and the church has got to step up and say, we're going to be the church. We're going to say it will not rain or there will be no dew except at our command because we're going to stand before the God, before the true and living God, and intercede. And we're not worried about the opposition of the soft, of the soft Christian. We're not worried about the opposition of the wicked because God is on our side, mm. and we're going to do it. Ferociously, for the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's you know why why did I write this book? Because that's what I want. And this does not just take place in the public square. Not even mostly or primarily. It takes place in your house. It takes place in your marriage, mm. your, your your Thanksgiving table, the people that you interact with, your neighborhood. Stop worrying about Washington or what they're doing in <laughs> in you yeah. know Portland if you don't live there. Right. What's going on in your neighborhood? You go out there and you make a difference there, and that's what's going to last forever. So I got a little fired up at the end there, you know, just Good. kind of was hoping to more just to kind of like, you know, poke the bear a little bit about, the, you know, that the Lord does not categorically condemn violence in Scripture. But it's that violent attitude mm. of righteousness that we need to cultivate, not being apologetic, not being a bunch of jerks, but saying, if this is right, then by golly, we're going to stand on it and you will never move me off of this one. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: and we That's need That's a difference that. maker. We got to have that spirit. If you want the Lord to make a difference, you know, I'll we'll wrap up with this. You know, I was chatting with a pastor, a coverage level pastor that I love very much, and he's he's just been a blessing to me. And he, I was putting out for him just some endeavor I wanted to try. It wasn't even a ministry thing really. It was just like, hey, I'm I'm doing this, and is this? Is, do you think this is good? Do you think the Lord is going to bless this? And he said, look, he said, do you feel like it's something that you feel like the Lord, you want to do? The Lord's putting before you. Said, yeah. And he said, okay. He said, guess what? He said, if you do anything, somebody's going to get upset. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, it's just how it is. If you, if you don't want anybody to ever get upset with you, do nothing. He said, but if you do anything <laughs> at all, he said, someone will be upset. He said, and you just have to be okay with that. And I think yeah. there's some wisdom in that. Guys, if you, read, you know, if you read Pastor Tyler's book, Difference Makers, and what I'm going to predict is you're going to come to the end of the book and you'll already know, you'll think, this is where I need to put this. This is what needs to happen. You'll yeah. already have a situation or a scenario in your life where you know you need to apply it, first of all. I just want to encourage you and speak to you. Maybe you're thinking about this right now, and you already know. You haven't even read the book, and you're like, oh, it's going to be this, isn't it? Yeah, it probably will. Guess yeah. what? Somebody's going to get upset. It's okay. It's okay. Don't let that discourage you. Be willing to have a little bit of that fire in you where you say, well, the Lord wants to fix this, and I, I'm going to bang my head into it and see what happens, and let's yeah. see if the Lord will bless that. He and, will.
0: And the lesson here is not, well, let's go out and, and post an angry Facebook rant about <laughs> right. our candidate of choice here. No, no, no. The the lesson is let's let's take a look at our life mm. and see what has not yet been brought into the under the lordship of Jesus. Right. How's my church doing? Is my church following Jesus? Well, mm. I'm not the pastor. Yeah, but you've got a responsibility too, mm-hmm. you know, to call, you know, and I, 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 it's it's very, I don't want to hedge anymore because it's, yeah, this lesson could be taken very wrongly. Sure. But I feel don't. like we hear the opposite one all the time. <laughs> yeah. is like, to, you know, watch out and be careful and don't go too far. And nobody really just comes out and says that, but we just sort of think it and we imbibe it and we kind of just pick up on it everywhere we go. But I will say this too, you know, it's not just about getting into the fight, although you need to. There's a verse in the Bible that Uh, He says that when a man serves the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Mm -hmm. That it's not like, well, we're going to, you know, let's go into a fatal light, light brigade last charge. Maybe not. You can (laughs) win. That's one of the points I make in the book too. What if we win? And I'll I'll end with this one here that uh, we don't need to be so morose. Like difference makers win. We win battles because the Lord said, you're overcomers. And until the the rapture happens, according to my eschatology, we cannot be stopped. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's right. get out and get after it, everybody. And, uh, you know, I I wrote the Struggle and Surrender book a while back, which is much more internal and it's much more personal, more about like equipping you to be the person who can go back to the promised land and fix your family. Right. Like that, that's that's the, the story of Jacob. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. major dysfunctional family. Yep. He messes up so bad that he gets sent out into the wilderness. God changes him into the kind of person that can go back and lead that family in righteousness. Yep. But this book is sort of, I mean, I did not write it as a sequel by any means, but <laughs> it kind of picks up where the other one left off. Like, all right, so what are you going to do now? Are you going to do it? I hope you will. I hope you will. I hope you will take hold of those relationships and those establishments in your life and, and maybe even the world, man. You never know what the Lord can do. And I hope that it gets you fired up. And uh, I hope that you'll enjoy the book and appreciate the book. And listen, man, if the, if the cost of it is just too bad for you, you get in touch with me and we'll take care of you but we've try to make it as affordable and accessible as possible for you. So if you want to find Difference Makers 21-day devotional, you can go to Amazon, you can go to ironworksmedia.org, you can go to calvarychapeltrustville.com. and um if you look for it, if you Google it, you might have to Google for a while uh, because we are not at the top of the list. I promise you that. But uh, I'm hoping this will just be the continuation and there'll be many more of these kinds of things to come. So Awesome, guys. Yeah, exciting. And uh, we'll be
1: back here really soon with our next series. And thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.